You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. the reason, you know, that it's not working out like you want it to, and you got all these negative things, maybe it's God saying, don't you know that ultimately I love you, and I'm allowing these things in your life? Read the book of Amos, chapter 4, verses 6 to 12, and God with the nation of Israel, he sends, just like he does in the tribulation period, an increasing intensity of discipline, 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 where things happen in their life. They don't get it. Not every adversity you face is a means of chastisement from God. We live in a fallen world, and we have a real enemy who's actively seeking our destruction. In today's message, Pastor Danny will remind us that while it pains God greatly to watch his creation struggle, he gave us free will, and he allows these hardships and temptations as an opportunity to either choose him or choose rebellion. Oftentimes, he uses those very trials to expose our weakness and remind us of our need for him. Now here's Pastor Danny in Revelation chapter 9 with today's edition of The Living Word. place somewhere down below a place called the abyss there are angels that fell when lucifer rebelled the star given the key to the shaft when you get to revelation chapter 12 verse 4 you see a dragon represents satan here's what it says his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky And flung them to the earth. This is the verse that causes scholars to believe that when Satan rebelled and other angels went with him in his rebellion, one third of God's created angels went with him and they now are fallen angels. They are demonic. So this star that has this key to the shaft of the abyss appears to be a fallen angel serving Lucifer And God gives permission during this period of time, gives him the key to the shaft of the abyss, and he unlocks the shaft, and he looses these fallen angels that are the most rebellious and evidently the most powerful, but presently are not permitted to roam the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for that. They're not allowed to roam around the world now seeking someone along with their master to devour. But in this coming day, key, open the shaft, and here they come. And it's sci-fi kind of stuff, but it's real. Look, chapter 9, verse 3, and out of the smoke from the abyss, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. 
They were not told to harm the grass, told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. These aren't normal locusts. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. Catch that. In this day that's coming, it'll be the closest thing to hell on earth that the world has ever seen. People are in hell right now that have died physically. They are there and they long to die, but they can't die. They already died. In this coming day, people evidently still living in their bodies that'll be stung by these demonic locusts. Weird, but that's what it says. And they'll long to die. I don't know if you've ever been stung by a scorpion. I have not. I don't want to be. Former pastor in my previous ministry, Vivian Laird, who's now with the Lord. He and his wife, Marilyn, spent many years in Africa as missionaries. 35 years, many of those years in the Sudan. Viv had amazing stories. I could never get him to tell his stories while he was teaching the Bible. He thought that was being proud. But he would tell me over coffee or a meal. He said, yeah, we had, uh, we had the only treatment for scorpion bites anywhere in the area of the Sudan where we ministered because they were the only people who had a motor vehicle. And he said people would come from miles away in these villages, these remote villages, if they got stung by a scorpion because we had the only treatment that would really make a difference. And it was their motor vehicle. And when Viv first told me the story, I'm like, nah, really? What they would do is they crank up the car, they take the spark plug wire, and wherever the bite was, they put the spark plug wire to the bite, and the electricity would take the sting out of the bite. And one of my favorite stories of Viv telling about people coming from miles around in the middle of the Sudan for their scorpion therapy was one very large lady. And he said the biggest challenge was getting her up on the thing because the bite was right here. And they had to get her up on top of the motor. But they did. And she was thankful. I figured in such a gory chapter, I got to throw in a little humor. During those days, days, men will seek death, but they will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. These locusts. Now, let me give you a little side note. We'll move on. (laughs) I think this is fascinating. I discovered this last week in my study that the Navy not long ago launched a new program. Guess what it's called? Locust. It's called Locust. Here's what it stands for. Locust. Low-cost UAV swarming technology. You can Google it, and they have these drones And they are practicing with them for future military maneuvers. And these drones are synchronized with a single command. Makes me think of Joel where they don't break rank. They got one command. And they're not going to break ranks because they're not humans. They're not going to run from the battle. Fascinating. Now, before you get ahead of yourself, the locusts of the Navy program are not the locusts that we're reading about here, but I think it's fascinating that we have such a program in our day for military purposes. To me, it's what I call a postcard 
if you're old enough to remember what a postcard was from God. Verse 7, the locusts look like horses. They're not horses. But they look like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold. Their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates, like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails and stings like scorpions. And in their tails, they had power to torment people for five months. They had as a king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and Greek Apollyon. In both languages, it simply means destroyer. It's interesting, Proverbs tells us that the normal locusts, chapter 30 of Proverbs, verse 7, locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. These locusts have a king. They're demonic. Fallen angels, presently bound in the abyss, that in this coming day, key to the shaft, loosed, and they will come upon the earth. And the pain they will inflict, like that of a scorpion, where men will long to die and death will elude them. And if you think that's bad, unfortunately, you get to verse 12. Here's what verse 12 says. The first woe is past. That's trumpet number five. Two other woes are yet to come. Trumpet six and trumpet seven. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet. And I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that's before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. If you were with us in chapter six, when the tribulation begins and world war breaks out, one-fourth of the population perish. As things intensify, at this point, another third of mankind perishes, perishes, and you can't just wrap, you can't wrap your mind around it. That's half of the population. Probably nuclear weapons, but I don't know. But somehow a lot of people are going to die in a short amount of time. And notice what John says, verse 16. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. What does he mean by that? It's such a vast army that when they march, the ground shakes. I heard their number. Just as fascinating as fallen angels in a place called the abyss that will one day be loosed, it's also fascinating me that right now at the river Euphrates, there are four angels. And at a certain time during the tribulation period, they will be given permission to aid this army. What's happening here prophetically, and it's going to happen, is a major Middle Eastern bloodbath. Euphrates is significant for a lot of reasons. Let me give you some of the reasons. The Euphrates, 1,780 miles long, it's one of the original boundaries of the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2. It's also the eastern boundary of the land God promised to Israel. But in light of Revelation chapter 9, it's significant in that on the east side of the Euphrates River, notice the countries represented there. And all throughout history, even when the country was named a different name, it's the same geographical location, and those countries, those countries 
In the Bible, it's referred to as the kings from or the kings of the east. When we get to Revelation chapter 16, it says the the Euphrates will be dried up, whether that's cutting off the dam that will keep the flow from going or whether it's some other way, we don't know. But the Euphrates will be dried up. And it says this when we get to Revelation 16, to prepare the way for the kings from the east. It's an allied army coming from the east and they're coming west. Where are they going to? They're going to, according to places like Zechariah chapter 14, to Jerusalem. They're going against Israel. Zechariah 14, God says, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her. The kings from the east, this massive army, I heard their number, and they're coming to wipe Israel off the map. But don't worry, because God also prophesies just when they are ready to pounce, and it seems like Israel is doomed, God promises he's going to step in, and he's going to defend her. Just before the second coming, of Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe God can do that, you haven't read much of the Bible. Thank you. Verse 17, the horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions and out of their mouths came fire, smoke and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails for their tails were like snakes having heads with which to inflict injury. Now, there's little doubt that what we're reading is whatever military machinery will be used in this coming day. And you would think that as awful as it's going to be, you would think that people would be falling on their faces before God in repentance and receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. And while some will be saved, and we've seen that, you also have others described in the last two verses of our text this morning. Chapter 9 of Revelation, verse 20. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, the word is pharmakia, drug use involved, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. I read that and I go, are you serious? I mean, really? People are going to be that hard-hearted? People are going to be that stiff-necked? Yes. Yes. And while on the one hand I read this and I go, I, I just, I just go, you stupid. Are you really that stupid? I just, I just, you know, you just kind of go, really? Are you that stupid? And then all of a sudden God gets my attention. And I realize I got a scar on this thumb. And that scar is a daily reminder that when I was five and a half years old, my mother told me not to go into the junkyard. But if you're Danny Hodges at five and a half years old, guess what? 
I love the junkyard. And so what did I do? Went back to the junkyard behind my mother's back. And at five and a half years old, I got that scar. It almost took my thumb off. It's a big scar for a 61-year-old man. It tells you how bad it was when I was five and a half years old. It's a daily reminder of how stupid I can be. Because my mother loves me. She's telling me not to go in the junkyard because she knows if you go in the junkyard, you might get your thumb taken off. So I learned my lesson, huh? Well, it's 16, 16 and a half years old. I got this scar on this thumb. So I got a scar on this thumb. Now I got a scar on this thumb. This is a daily reminder of years later after knowing the truth, after knowing about Jesus, you know, and yet getting caught up in the party of high school, the party animal in me. And I knew how to party, buddy. And we're out at Lake Robinson and I was feeling good, but I wasn't walking too straight. And uh, we decided late that night, you know, that weekend night as we're partying, we're going to go skinny dipping. And there, you know, I thought, here we are, man. This is great, you know. And I, I ran down that dock, and I was probably running kind of like this, and I got to the end, and somehow I tripped and I fell, and I got that scar. <laughs> in between these two scars, me and Brian McFarland got in a fight, and I got a scar right here. <laughs> but I also got a scar right now here. Uh, matter of, you want to just go to lunch? I'll just show you all my scars. I'm talking about scars, scars that remind me of how stupid I can be. When God in heaven loves me enough to send his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me, and you would think that once I heard that as a young child, then I would say, yes, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Forgive me of my sin. Every child knows they're a sinner. Why? Because they don't listen to their mother when she tells them don't go in the junkyard. And you would think after something like that, it's like, I'm going to live for Jesus the rest of my life. But then, you know, you get caught up and you say, hey, let's go party. And you think after a scar like that, you learn your lesson. But I didn't. And so while on the one hand, I look and I go, this coming day when things are going to go from bad to worse to cataclysmic, you would think everybody would get saved. And you go, are you so stupid? And then you look in the mirror and go, yep, you have that same potential if you're not careful. And the potential of the hard heart when God's speaking and God's saying, what are you doing? And you have situations in the Bible where he comes and he speaks in the midst of prosperity. You find him going to Pilate. And what witness after witness as Jesus stands before Pilate, the very word of God in the flesh. And Pilate knows. He knows. Deep down, he knows something's different about this guy. His wife has a dream, and his wife comes to Pilate and says, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. I've suffered a great deal this day in a dream because of him. And he wanted to release Jesus, but because of the pressure of the crowd, he thought he could just wash his hands and say, well, I'm not against him, but I'm not really for him. I'm not against him, and I'm not really for him. That's what some people are. No, no, no. (laughs) You don't get that option, because if you're not for him, Jesus said you're against him. He sends the likes of the Apostle Paul to stand before governors like Felix and and great kings like Herod and in all their pomp and in all their luxury, but in the midst of that, their idolatry as well. 
And you would hope that before things go south for these guys, before God has to really intensify things because he loves them, that they would say, yeah, you know, you're right. How stupid could you be? But the potential of the human heart, mine, yours, when God loves us so much and he says, look, have you stopped to consider Balaam? And here's Balaam, and he's riding on his donkey. And if you know that, in some ways, very humorous story that I'll never get tired of teaching or reading. And it says, the angel of the Lord, that's Christ. The angel of the Lord is standing in the road to oppose him, but he doesn't see the angel of the Lord. Why? Because he's a thy will, my will kind of guy. And if you're a thy will, my will kind of person, you'll never see spiritually. And the jackass sees the angel of the Lord. This, this, this. Donkey has more spiritual sight and wisdom than his owner. And he beats his donkey. And if you know the story, he beats her again. And finally, God opens Balaam's eyes. And the donkey speaks. And God says to him, I've come here to oppose you. Because your path is a reckless one before me. Stay out of the junkyard. Stay out of that lifestyle. Don't be so foolish. And I think some of us today, in response to God's word, maybe God's opening our eyes and you don't realize until right now that maybe the things that are happening in my life, maybe the reason things are kind of going south, maybe the reason, you know, that it's not working out like you want it to and you got all these negative things, maybe it's God saying, don't you know that ultimately I love you and I'm allowing these things in your life You read the book of Amos, chapter 4, verses 6 to 12. And God with the nation of Israel. He sends, just like he does in the tribulation period, an increasing intensity of discipline, 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 where things happen in their lives, but they don't get it. I'm going to close with a couple of verses. Here's one. Proverbs 27, 22. Though you grind a fool in a mortar, grinding him like grain with a pestle, you will not remove his folly from him. Unfortunately, there are some people, and we read about them prophetically, that in this coming day, they still did not repent. Doesn't matter how bad things get, and things go from bad to worse, to, and they're like, they're like this proverb said, you, you grind them, you grind them, and grind them, and grind them. And they just choose to keep going. Not going to submit, not going to repent. We don't want to be like that. I got enough scars. (laughs) Here's what we want to be like. We want to be like the psalmist that finally, finally, finally realized. And he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. You want to get to the place that you learn from the scars and you go, you know what? I don't want to go in the junkyard anymore. And I want to stay away from the the moving dock. (laughs) At least it's moving because of what's inside me. You know what I mean? You want to be like the prodigal. And here's what it says about the prodigal. When he came to his senses. He came to his senses. And here he ended up in the pig pen. Ended up in the pig pen. I won't ask for raising up your hands if you Big pen is like the junkyard. Big pen, you know, wherever it is. And you finally say, go, you know what? 
enough's enough. Revelation isn't a pleasant book to study. It lays out for you the end of the world as you know it right now, and the devastation that will be falling on the world is overwhelming, and it can make you ache for the people who will have to endure it. It can also make you long for everyone you know to seek and find Jesus right now. Only He can save the people of the world from this terrible end, and His grace is available right now to everyone. Today, let Jesus bring to mind those friends, family, and even acquaintances that you can be praying for and actively sharing His gospel message with. We know this isn't an easy task, so we'd like to support you in prayer. Please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Living Word. Pastor Danny will continue this verse-by-verse study of Revelation in our next edition of The Living Word. But right now, you can hear more by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. There you'll also learn more about Pastor Danny and the church these messages originate from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We'd love to meet you, so if you're in the area, please come join us for one of our weekend services. We gather each Saturday and Sunday to worship the Lord and learn from His Word, and we'd be honored to share that time with you. Be sure to stop Pastor Danny and let him know that you're a listener. You'll find all the information you need at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more from the book of Revelation, right here on The Living Word. 